This is a Socialist News and Views special interview. I'm Nick Schillingford coming to you from the Urban Cabin Studios in South Minneapolis with this special interview. I said I would be back with more from Danielle Gilbert, whose speech we mentioned in last week's special report. Let's go to that interview now. A note, the interview has been edited because of a technical glitch in some of the audio in the second half. Here's the interview. So on Socialist News and Views, we let folks introduce themselves. Tell us who you are. Yeah, I'm Danielle Gilbert. I'm a nurse at Methodist Hospital, um, and I've been a nurse since, I gotta think, 2011. So it's been a while. Okay. And uh, and um, there was a speech uh, posted on Left Voice that I saw that was your speech. Um, and in there, I saw um, what you said. You, you said, we want our profession to dictate what safe staffing is and what ratio should be in place to provide the best care while making our career sustainable. Do you want to just talk a little bit about staffing, about what you're experiencing right now and, and what what safe staffing would mean for you and your patients? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so right now our staffing levels are just critically low where we have um, um, nurses forced to take unsafe assignments. Um, we do our best to decline just out of the safety of the patient. So we don't compromise care. And so we don't risk our license also, but there's a lot of intimidation and retaliation going on. Um, so it's trying to battle that. Um, so I remember that with, (laughs) yeah, so, so with unsafe staffing, um, you're more likely to stay in the hospital longer. Um, you have a higher risk of deaths, falls, medical errors, um, pressure ulcers, you name it. It doesn't, um, it doesn't work. It's, it's not cost effective either. I mean, you're going to have nurses burn out quicker. And right now, if you look at a nurse at a hospital, they have a third of a chance of leaving. Right. Um, so that's just not creating sustainability and to train a nurse again, I think I read it costs like 60 to 80 grand right? to train a new nurse. Granted, they can always get travelers and kind of make as, that work. Right. And as far as safe staffing, I mean, you know, when, you know, one of the, one of the um, hashtags or whatever, or the things you see on the sign is safe staffing saves lives. But I think I saw a post from you as well that, um, you know, I mean, this is document, this is all documented stuff, right? Like, you know, if there was ratios in place, you know, that would mean a lot as far as, uh, you know, reductions in people dying. Um, there's some, yeah. there's some evidence say, you know, for, for one to four ratios of one nurse to four patients versus like one nurse to yeah. eight patients kind of thing. Right. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I know California passed a law and that's kind of helped reduce, um, a lot of readmissions and just, um, everything I listed helped immensely there. Um, that, and it's something they don't have to bargain about either. Um, right something kind of gives you a little more leverage at the bargaining table right so you were out on the three-day uh strike uh how do you think that went how were how were things on the line with uh uh with folks where you were i was i was at riverside uh picketing with folks yeah 
Yeah, we had we had a really good turnout. Yeah, um, people are extremely motivated. It's fun to be a part of. Right. Um, and I, I think it was impactful. I know the hospitals are going to say it differently, of course, but they always do. Heard, it doesn't matter what you do. They're going to say it doesn't affect them in any way. They're not considering it. They're not going to act on it. Like right up until right up until the moment that they do. Right. That's kind of exactly. how they always operate. I know. But in all reality, it's risky. It is so risky for them to have that many travelers no. in a hospital that have never met each other. You can't create teamwork at all. I mean, right. it's just a liability. Right. So was, they have management and supervisors there 24-7 for the whole three days to watch them. So that says a lot. <laughs> right. And they, um, you know, it sounds like, yeah, they some of these uh, travelers were asking the the union nurses to basically give them a whole tutorial on the computer system before they left. And they're like, well, I don't have time to do that, number one. And number two, it's not my job to teach you the computer system. That's supposed to be something that you're, you know, that you're trained on, right? So... Yes, um, exactly. That's the manager's job. Right. And then, uh, you know, one other thing I saw, and I think you posted about it and I shared as well, was that it looks like the, um, uh, like, psych associates or mental health workers are going to be going out on a, potentially going out on a three-day strike as well. And, yeah. uh, you know, and I remember, I, I think last time it sounded like, from what I heard, uh, that management themselves were the ones that had to... Uh, had to fill in, uh, you know, the, these positions, you know, what do you, what do you think it's going to take to, to turn these hospitals around and, and, and essentially, I guess I, I heard somebody say, get the ship pointed in the right direction, so to speak. Um, you know, is it just, is it just a, is, is it a cost thing, making it cost more for them or, you know, do we need to get more public involvement? I mean, what do you think is the most important, what's the most important element here? Let me think. Um, I guess, um, yeah, definitely getting the public more involved and more informed. Um, there's just been a lot of um, rhetoric that the hospital has spread um, about how they don't have any money. That is not accurate at all. Right. Especially with like the U trying to build like their thousand bed hospital that's just going to be for executive staff. They have money. Right. For sure. That's just where they want to funnel their money to is to, um, yeah, um, the elites. Right. And then not accept Medicare or Medicaid. It'll be detrimental if that process starts. Um, yeah, I, I think, you know, I think reaching out to the public is key. Um, that's been yes. something that I've been, you know, going on and I, you know, what do you think, you know, if, speaking of that rhetoric, what do you think the public doesn't understand or what, what do you think that, what, what, what is the rhetoric that you think people might be buying into that? Okay. You said the money part, are there other parts that are, uh, uh, yeah. th that are the most infuriating when you hear them on the radio, for example, I have a few of my own, but <laughs> I, I don't think they understand how um, nonprofit is a scam mm. um, and how many facilities these hospitals actually own now. I mean, health partners alone, I think I saw, saw in their taxes, they own like 24 nonprofit places oh, wow. and then um, seven profitable places and then an LLC based in Delaware. That mm. all like, that's very sketchy. Right. Yeah. So oh, yeah, they have a lot of sketchy funny, yeah. finance things going on. They do. They do. Um, to qual to um, qualify for charity care, because if you're a nonprofit, you're supposed to provide to the, provide yep. to the public or whatever. They just kind of give money to their own foundations. 
or yep. I, <laughs> I was gonna br- I was actually gonna bring that up because um, yeah I just shared another article uh, from I think it was from NPR uh, around Montana is uh, Montana health officials are calling in to question um, you know because a lot a lot of these uh, hospitals get huge tax breaks right for this mm-hmm. charity care so called uh, mm-hmm. that they have but Montana's saying that you know what a lot of us know about a lot of these um, uh, nonprofit hospitals that. You know, the amount of uh, charity care, charitable uh, care that they're actually giving is not even close to the kind of tax breaks that they're getting or what was expected, you know, when those tax breaks were given for charity care. That's the same here, right? I mean, that's my that's oh. been what I've seen. <clears throat> oh, yeah, absolutely. And they just they are just trying to do things the cheapest way possible to make the most money. Like they right. even have um, volunteers. They have I mean, all the gift shops are ran by. The volunteers. Oh yeah, <laughs> and they and brought they, vol- they brought volunteers in during the pandemic. Well, yeah, at some points during the pandemic, there was like at least there were signups if you needed volunteers, and then they would try to get you volunteers. That was their thing instead of you know. I mean, don't you think that the fact that they were able to bring in all these travelers all of a sudden, uh, you know, and staff like just, I mean, proves doubly that they have like they could bring resources in and staff oh, in if yeah. they really were motivated to, right? Oh, for sure. If if um, health was their goal, um, absolutely they could. They could um, channel their money in different ways, especially to like retain staff. And right, yeah, there's plenty of nurses. That's for sure. Well, I appreciate you speaking with me. I, you know, that's uh, majority of my questions. Is there anything else that you want to share? Uh, you know about what's going on now, or anything else that you think people should know the, about nurses that maybe they don't they don't realize? I guess the the unions are the ones that are holding the hospital accountable right now. Um, right. So it's a, it's a big fight because they have a, they have a lot of money and a lot of power. Um, but I know we have the public side, so it's a huge advantage. Um, yeah. I don't know. We'll just keep fighting. Yeah. Well, I really appreciate you speaking with me, Daniel. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you so much. Have a good day. And that's our interview. In the portion that was removed, uh, we talked briefly about how traveling nurses who were replacement workers during the MA nurses strike, aka scabs, were given much easier work assignments than the nurses who usually work on those units. We also briefly discussed how hospitals were unprepared for the pandemic, both in supplies and staffing, but how management's decision to continue decision to continue to improperly staff hospitals started long before the pandemic. Union nurses are also asking for hospitals to keep six months of needed personal protective equipment on hand for future pandemics. Predictably, hospital executives have continued to gaslight nurses by saying this kind of preparedness is, quote, not cost-effective, end quote. It was mentioned in the interview, but another reminder, mental health workers from MHealth Fairview and Alina are scheduled to be out on the picket line on a three-day strike of their own starting Monday. I encourage everyone to get out and show support for the workers who are trying to make our hospitals better for the whole community. Thanks for listening. Solidarity. This has been a Socialist News and Views special interview.